Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. from Coolidge, Arizona. We are so pleased to be able to bring this broadcast this morning, July the 9th, 2023, and we're going to continue in our lesson uh, today with what we have been doing for the past uh, three episodes, and that is the words of Jesus as recorded by John the Apostle. So we're in the Gospel of John, and we're in the uh, eighth chapter. We've been studying in this passage for the past three weeks, and uh, I've been planning this for some time because of the content of this um, this chapter is, I think, absolutely outstanding um, as far as what the world needs now, if you will, as a a lesson looking into the past, how men dealt with the words of Jesus under the first covenant, and we can see clearly how we should be dealing with uh, the words of Jesus in the time that we live. That's why I think it's very useful. We're at the level of uh, the 30th verse in our study. Uh, at this time. Now, what we're going to find here is that Jesus is removing the veil, if you will, of false thinking from the Jews that are there hearing him speak. Um, You know, we use that as a terminology. Uh, Many times things are, we just won't let it get through. Uh, It's like there's a veil there. Uh, either a cloud of confusion or just cut cut us off. Well, this false thinking that that they were, um, actually it was pretty much the thinking of Israel at that time. Uh, Even the uh, disciples of Christ 
and the apostles had um, a, a bit of this uh, thinking in their self, seeing to do, do with uh, uh, sin uh, or, or punishment, more to the point. Uh, they had the idea that uh, only the people that did terrible things were ever punished. And the terrible things, of course, they could argue about which was terrible and which wasn't so terrible. Nonetheless, they were wrong about all of that, just as we have the same situation today. So he is removing that veil, and he's speaking truth towards it. You know, it reminds me of the old expression I heard as a a young man, a boy, uh, about certain groups of people or even a person, individual, that they were living in a fool's paradise. Uh, They've cut off all the the idea of the consequences of things and just participating in it willfully. And that was considered a fool's paradise because it always came to, to no good, if you will. The Jewish people, one of the things they stood on and were adamant about is that they claimed to be free, but they did so with seemingly without any real understanding that sin that was in their midst, that was in their own lives, was truly the master, and they were enslaved to it. Now, of course, this is what the Messiah of God has been sent for. This is really the overall picture. It's the big picture, if you will, the sin issue. And only God's Messiah can solve the sin issue. You see how man deals with it. He just blocks it out. Jesus was here today to to open the can on that again and let it just come out. And I think this passage is so powerful in that way. Um, In his teaching, how this sort of, this truth really affects everything to do with their lives and what they believed and their hopes. And he was just trying, uh, even though he had to be hard, he had to be harsh, he had to be to the point and and bring up the fact of the things that were really a problem for them. They didn't want to hear the words. but But he delivered them nonetheless in a way that is never is never harmful that in a way that that uh, it's hard for us to duplicate in our own conversation if you will but you know i think the thing that we need to realize is if we will um if we will read and reread the words of jesus and the apostles teaching i think we has a, a tendency for us to use the same uh, the same type of speech patterns, the same type of things, and I think it's a lot more effective than just for our very our best uh, idea. But I'm I'm sure many would disagree with that. Uh, speaking of a, a modern methods and things of that sort, but <clears throat> I really think that this is the the most uh, advantageous way to look at it. So we're going to pick it up in verse 30 through 32 to start with and deal with these things as we find them. As he is speaking these things, many believed in him. Now the he there, of course, is Jesus. And we read this last week. I want to reread it again because many believed in him. And that is the goal of the ministry of Jesus, the the physical uh, ministry of about three and a half years, that he could bring as many as possible to this understanding just to help them to make the decisions that were going to be coming their way concerning the new covenant. And that was going to be a, a, a very... Uh, 
oh, what's the word? It's a profound change in their culture, if you will, and their understanding as far as religion goes. Now they must listen and do the things of Jesus. Verse 31, Jesus therefore said unto the Jews who believed in him, If you may remain in my word, truly my disciples you are, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now let's think about this right here, because uh, this is a wonderful promise. that we touched on last week, and I want to get into it in depth today because it says everything that we today need to be doing also. Now remember, these people were living during the first covenant, and yet the truth has always been the truth. And the truth about the Jewish people and the truth about the Gentiles, as it came to be known, Um, sometime later, as far as the gospel goes, uh, put everyone in in the same ark, if you will, in, in the same place. That's another thing we'll talk about. So many believed in him. Step one, to put Jesus in the place he should be. And what place is that? Well, at least to start with the idea that he was sent from God in heaven. Yeah, at least a prophet speaking on behalf of God and by the things that he did and as they as they, as they unfolded and they got to see and know him better, they could come to the idea that this was the one that Moses spoke of. This is the one that would, that would be uh, the one that they must listen to and do as he says. Because if they did not do as he says, they would be cut off from the promise. Moses said that concerning the Messiah. I wonder if that sort of conversation was being had amongst the Jews themselves. Is this the one? Are are we, if we don't listen to him, are we making a mistake? We don't know, but I think it probably was. Because many, many came to believe. So, the second thing is there, if you abide in my word. Now that word, of course, the my word is, uh, Jesus attributes this word, his word, to his Father in heaven. So, we can stop with the conversation that Jesus was just a good man with a good lesson. No, he was a good man, a perfect man, and, and but he brought the words from heaven, his father, from his father. The word. Continue in the word. Very interesting that that this, you know, my, in relation to the word is in genitive. Yeah, yeah, isn't that something? Yeah. yeah. Gives a, a little more understanding to the thing that Jesus kept saying about that uh, he was in the Father and the Father was in him. Over and over. And I, I and the Father are one. Um, that word that he is proclaiming is the word, is the truth of heaven. It's true in heaven as it is here. It's true everywhere. Why? Because this is the word of God. And and if you remain and abide in it, that now this effort is, is ours. This is the effort we and they must make through faith, through faith in the word of Jesus. And of course, in our case, study of the word. You are truly 
my disciples. You see, he says it that way because there were many that that were posing as his disciple, but certainly were not abiding in his word. I think we, we read about that in, um, I believe it's Luke 7, or I'm not sure exactly, but where Jesus proclaims that not all that have called upon his name are his. You know, but the very, at, the, at the very same time, go back just to verse 26 or so, right before he's saying these things, he's reminding them again that he doesn't say any of this on his own, that he is speaking, he, his words are what the Father gave him. That's right. Or taught in this particular Bible, but... but <laughs> right. So he keeps... Um, the con- context of what he's saying here has, always has to be measured in that. Yeah. But I, but you're right, verse 26 of this chapter is the same thing. What things I heard from him, these things I say to the world. Now, you see, that is the deference of the Son of God towards the Father. This puts the Father in his position and Jesus in his. Uh, Now, and as the manifestation of God's Word. That's right. That's why he is the Word, the Logos, if you will. Um, Because this is what he brought to the world. Not only that, even though he said, I come not to judge, he said, you have a judge. Every word I have spoken from the Father will be your judge. Did he make it clear? Were they un, did they not know what would happen? He had promised these things as, and, and stated them over and over again as the truth. So we just need to deal with it. Now, this next uh, this next thought here. Uh, Thus, those that believed in Jesus' word were what? If you continue, that's right. Truly, his disciples, indeed, is the word, which is a good word, putting it above above all of the other. Okay. Now, um, speaking, of course, to them that are there listening. And remember, some of them, many of them had come to believe. So this is for them. If you remain in my word, truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. All right, we got an issue here of uh, the idea of the word no. The word no, there's two Greek words used for no. We find them used, um, of course, in our English, it just says no. It doesn't give us the uh, the, the rest of the story, even though some, most times the context, if we understand what the words mean, the context can reveal what which no it is most times. But if you don't know, uh, then then you're not going to know these things. But there's two things. Uh, one is the word genesco, and the other is odi. Now, the genesco is an objective knowledge, what one has learned and acquired. All right? That's a good knowledge if you have learned from from the truth, if it's the truth that you have learned. The word odi is, a, is still knowledge, but this knowledge is an inward, intuitive knowledge, and it's not de- derived from an external influence. In other words, um, this is uh, the knowledge that Christ had of the Father. Okay? 
Odi is used of Christ's knowledge of the Father. If, if you want a, a base, that's the first thing in the dictionary, if you, if you would look at it that way. Uh, let's, let's read, uh, to give you an illustration of this. John 8. 55, verse 55. <clears throat> we'll see this demonstrated perfectly here. Okay. Jesus says, If you and you have not known him, and I have known him. Okay? Now, this is it. You have not known him. That's that's the Genesco word. They have not learned him. They have not learned all they should know about him. And in other words, they do not know. They do not, and they're not understanding to this point yet. But on the other hand, he makes it clear to them, I know him. This is the reason that they should do what? This is the reason. Now, believe me, friends, in in the English, we might not be able to discern these two no's, okay? But the words they heard, they could discern the difference. They could discern the difference because they're two different Greek words. So, they had a slight advantage there. Now, now they still have to accept it. So this is why we, we find the, these two words are used uh, normally. Um, and, you know, th- this is a great thing to do. If you have a, a Bollinger's or or uh, or any kind of a, a Greek uh, lexicon where, you, where there's a dictionary, and you come up to that word no, especially in the Gospels or even in the Epistles, find out which word it is. Yeah. So, so you have the understanding. And remember that, that the Genesco word is objective knowledge. That's, that's the kind of knowledge that we, we have. But you see, the truth, when we know the truth, we can have the knowledge that Jesus has. Through faith, of course, through the Word, we can have uh, that knowledge, but only, only as we pass through the, the idea of being in Christ. We need to have that association. We need to be, uh, our, that's what having our minds renewed is all about. So, but they weren't in, they weren't in that that period of time yet. They did not know. They knew not him. So they need to listen to Jesus when it comes to the things of God to, to make it short, if you will. Thus, those who believed in Jesus' word had an objective truth, and they would acquire knowledge from the words spoken and written by Jesus and the inspired men writing God's uh, writing the, the Word of God through God's Spirit. This is the process that God has put in place. And it has a lot to do with this idea of know. How do you know? Well, this is how you know. You know by going to the source of knowledge. And that is the Word from heaven, the Word of God, as spoken by Jesus, as spoken by the apostles, and the other men that were moved by the Spirit of God to write the Scriptures as we know them. And this knowledge will teach one the truth, and that truth, the truth is is the idea here, the truth, and that truth will will free one from the ravages of being typically at war with God's terms of pardon. You see, you're either at war with God or you're not. There's no armistice in there that we can live in. 
Um, now, God's patience, because God is not willing that any should perish. So God's patience that he allows men and women to have time to come to the understanding, to come to this knowledge that they need. But how are they going to get it? From themselves? Or are they going to have to go to where the truth is? The truth. From the Word. So Bible study is not optional. It's life-saving. Without it, we have, you know, we have no chance. And by the way, you know, the the patience of God towards man as he comes towards him and in the way and 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 uh, is not doing everything that is pleasing to God, that patience of God is not his uh, uh, approval of sin. It, it, it's not that. It's simply his patience. Because the, the, the idea is when, when a person repents, that Jesus was doing this and teaching these hard truths that they would come to a point in their own mind that they know they need to repent. Just as Jesus is going to be saying about this word repent. They're going to have to repent because it's necessary for them to be able to to assume and understand the truth that he is saying and what he is talking about. Why is the faith of Christ Jesus the only way unto salvation and pleasing to God? You know, this is a, this is what makes me want to look at a chapter like this and really get into it. Because I believe that this is a key, a real key to the to the idea of why should we even bother? Why is this the faith in, in Christ Jesus? That's Christianity. Having faith in the Messiah of God. Because all mankind has access to the way of Christ. If you look at the religions of the world, so-called, you'll find that there's all sorts of obstacles for certain groups of people to never be able to participate in this particular religion. Obstacles of of uh, culture, uh, family, uh, blood relation, all kinds of things uh, that... Uh, Keep people from from being involved in, in certain religions of the world. And even within Christendom, we have seen barriers set up to try to keep people, certain people away or make them do something, whatever. This is where the problem is. Because Jesus is making it clear. What what is the key to open the door to salvation? It's believing in his word that came from God. Listen to it. Hear everything he said and obey what he commands. And the apostles also, for they spoke for him. You know, Neil, all all through chapter 8 here, we again see this struggle between what the word, what the writing calls the Jews, you know, the ones that are, you know, uh, you know, against him, critical. Uh, earlier, right uh, before 55 that you read, they accused, now we know that you have a demon. Right. Anyway, my point is, and his point is, if you don't believe who he is, you're not going, how are you going to believe what he's saying? So they go hand in hand, and then all the way, chapter 8 ends with him reminding them, with him telling them, before Abraham, I am. Because the first thing that, well, not the first thing that they do, but they say, even Abraham died, and you're saying you're greater than Abraham? (laughs) You know, he's in a fascinating 
Yeah. Well, just imagine knowing everything and speaking to people that know very little. You know how difficult that is? Yeah. I, I can't imagine. Going back to your, your intro here, and that's part, of, that's part of the freedom that they're experiencing in the truth. That's right. When they come to understand who he is and he's pulled the wool back from over their eyes, mm -hmm. there's a lot of freedom in, a, in, in actually knowing what's going on as yeah. opposed to being retained by your own desires and, and traditions. It's, it's a frightening revelation that Jesus is exposing them to. But the thing is, the answer or the remedy for it is right there. They don't have to go on and go home and get under the bed and, and try to hide. So all they need to do is start to listen to what he's saying. Well, we know, I mean, very obviously, you know, he ran into this wherever he went. and But that's what the miracles were for. Yeah. And, and that's what... Well, they were. That's what the miraculous things that were done were to... So you got word and action. Yeah. But... It's true. And we, you know, the Jews require a sign. They needed some evidence that what was being said was true. Well, the first thing to do is to stop talking and start listening. And that would have helped. But, you know, they had a strong personality. Now, I say that faith in, in Christ Jesus is, is the best and the only religion that is open to everyone. And it's also, there is no boundaries or there is no physical obstacle, there is no spiritual obstacle uh, really to it at all because Jesus made it clear. And I want to read... There's this morning, race obstacle. No, <laughs> wow. no. Jesus, you know, Jesus knew there was one race of man, right. but today we live in a in a world with many races. But who's right? Yeah. I think I'll, I'll I'll stick with what Jesus said. Not contained by any border either. No borders. That's right. None of these things pertain to what we're talking about. He's speaking to people in a way that has is the most important thing. These other things are are comical in, in comparison. Matthew chapter 11, verses 27 through 30. Let's see what Jesus says about the faith and what Christianity really is. He starts by saying this, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son. By the way, that's the Odie. But the Father, nor does anyone know the Father but the Son, and he to whom the Son may be pleased to reveal him. Come to me. Now this is the important part. Come to me, all ye who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly, in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Christianity. I was kind of hoping the Holy Spirit would come and do most of that work for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you see, and Christendom has built a, a weave of, of obstacles to the idea of the yoke being easy and the burden being light. How do they, they they've done it by all of their man-made uh, um, essays and 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 uh, statements and rules of conduct, all of these things that that's not where you start. Your conduct will be very well. And it'll, you'll be in, in very good uh, control of yourself. Self-control, which isn't just your, it, you don't allow others to control you and, and, and you're not going to go out of control if you know the Son. You will know the Father. So 
This is it. This is the idea of Christianity. Come to me. You don't go to any anywhere else, friends. It's not a name on a building. It's not another. It's not the most exciting uh, show in town. It's come to me, but it, it's the only place that you will go. That there is a future for you there that will last time without end. Because he knows that people are laboring, that they are burdened, but he says the truth. It's not going to set. It's going to set you free, as we've read today, but it'll also give you rest. You'll have peace within that. Take my yoke upon you. That means if you're taking the yoke of Christ upon you and learn from me, you'll be doing just what we're doing today, learning the things that Jesus said. And he uses all of these Bible words that we don't use in our everyday life. Meek and lowly in heart. Find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think it's one other gospel has this passage uh, very similar to this. This one is a little bit more there, so I wanted to use this one today. When we see Jesus all throughout Scripture dealing with High, high scribes and Pharisees and, and, and chief priests all the way down to lowly beggars and and the, the worst of the worst as we'd see him. And that's what he says here about who he is, meek and lowly in heart, how, he, we, how we see him treat everybody. That's right. so true. We can have so much faith mm-hmm. in what he says about himself then. That's right. It reminds me of the Beatitudes here that he taught. Uh, you know, his life, his uh, what he did shows the, the Beatitudes in their fullness. And that's what he was teaching the Jewish people that they needed to be like. This is what how they needed to be. And what was the benefits of it? All of this fits. Now, first, of course, we have to understand in in the context we're in here in John, this message is given to the Jews. They're in they're living in, within the first the first covenant, the old covenant, if you will, uh, the law of uh, the law of Moses, within the promise of of, of Abraham. This was what they were living in. But this message was for them. For what? Because the the kingdom of God was at hand. And they were to repent. When the people went to John the Baptist, they were repenting. And they were baptized. Not, not for salvation, but for repentance. They were making that commitment for repentance unto. If you look in Mark, in the first chapter, they were baptized by John. Let's see, I think it's verse um, 4. John came John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of reformation, repentance unto the remission of sin. You know what that means, don't you? That doesn't mean their their sins were remitted at that time. It means they were in the process. They were moving towards the remission of their sins that would come in the new covenant. That's the word ice. Yeah, they... You know, the some people, the faith-only folks, will want to use the word for here. Mm-hmm. They won't want to use the word towards here. They don't want to use the, the proper word for the context for ice. That's why ice says a number of words that we can use, can, uh, can, you know, with the context. This is a baptism of repentance, friends. 
unto the remission of sins. That was the process they were in. They were starting the process. This was at the time of the ministry of Jesus. And even Jesus' disciples baptized many Jews for the, this uh, baptism of repentance unto the, remit, uh, the remit, remitting of sins that would come, of course, when the blood of Christ was shed. And not, not a second before. You know, Neil, when, you, when, we, when we read, where, when I read that part in John where Jesus is saying that his burden and his yoke is, is light and easy, makes me think about what Paul wrote in Romans about if God is for us, who can be against us? That's right. And it's the same mind, mindset. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't cover anything that's happening to us in the world and by worldly people because they have the free will to do anything they want to us. And that's caused pain and trouble and everything else. But ultimately, ultimately, is where is that's where that's where your faith that's where your faith brings you. Right. And it brings you to that where you you're um, you're not going to try to add something to this to to give you some sort of certainty because certainty and faith they don't work together. It, it has to be faith. Now think in, when we think of this, Jesus says his. Uh, Take his yoke upon, take his yoke upon you. His burden is, is light. His yoke is easy. Then think about the monks that every year go go on their hands and knees over broken glass up a hill to the cross. What is that about? Is that an easy yoke? Is that a burden that's light? What are they doing? What they're doing is they're showing they have no understanding of what Christianity truly is by faith. They don't, their, their uh, so-called misery factor is not going to move them uh, a minute distance any further ahead. Matter of fact, it's showing that they're weak. They don't need to be doing this. They don't need to be doing such things as that. That is the thing that impresses people, and right, right. and it's it's shocking. It's it's uh, bigger than life. No one does this, and and why are they doing? You know. But that that stands in, that stands in contrast to what Jesus says here. Now, well, you're right, Neil. Uh, world, the world's religion. Sets, sets people apart, but the truth of God brings people together. That's right. It is. Now, on the other hand, if they're going, if they've got all this courage to climb the mountain of broken glass, maybe they're trying. You know, here's the point. It may come a time in someone's life when they're called to deny their faith in Christ. Theirs where you can get on your glass mountain when you say, I will not do that under any circumstances. There's where we use that sort of thinking. But we're not called to use it until then because that would, that's not the will of God. So you see how th these things just enter into everything that we're doing. We got just a little bit of time, not much, but we're going to start this um, where Jesus explains the idea of who is free and who is a slave. You see, this is this is a, a for us today. Maybe we don't concern ourselves with such things as this. But if you would have been a, a Jewish person of that time period, this would, would have had a lot of, uh, a lot of meaning to you and a lot of emotions for you. 
okay? Because the Jewish people were relying on God to be free. But here's the thing. They had been enslaved many times, but they never wanted to talk about why. They didn't even want to admit that they had been. And at the very moment that they were standing there telling Jesus this, they were under the thumb of the Roman Empire and had been enslaved again by the Romans who had let them have their freedom for a period of time until they got so out of control with killing themselves and struggling for leadership and that the Romans had to come back in to make the peace. And the Romans bring peace very suddenly and, and savagely. But peace, at least, would in their minds. So this, uh, let's read the verses. we got time for that, at least. And then we'll probably have to pick this up next week. There's not enough time for all of this, it seems. In verse 33, listen to this. Listen to their comments and Jesus' comments. They answered him, Seed of Abraham we are, and to no one have we been servants at any time. How dost thou say, you shall become free? Just imagine the thinking pattern that they had at this time. You see, when Jesus said that they would become free, it meant that they were not free. And they picked it up on it right away. These are not ignorant people. These are learned people in many ways. Now, their thinking is in error. But Jesus thinks that it's important enough to talk to them, doesn't he? He doesn't do it with a history lesson, though, of everything they've been through and gone through. No. <laughs> because, really, they already know about they that. They already know <laughs> They know about it. They read about it. So let's read on. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily. By the way, that's the, uh, that means listen up and listen up right now. I say to you, everyone who is committing sin is a servant of the sin. And the servant doth not remain in the house to the age now, he's talking about a household here that has servants and a master. So that servant does not remain in that house forever or to the age. The son doth remain to the age. You see the difference? They are the servants in that house. But the son is, is, the, is the one that does remain in the house. This is the household of God and will always be there. That's why they should listen to him. Verse 36, If then the Son may make you free, in reality you shall be free. I have known that you are seed of Abraham, but you seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I, I that which I have seen with my father do speak, and you, therefore, that which you have seen with your father, you do. I'm going to stop there. Just a few comments. The Jewish people had been in bondage many times because they had forsaken the commandments of God that had been delivered through the law of Moses, delivered from angels in heaven, and administered by Moses to the people of God, the Jewish people. These are the fathers he's talking about. And, and That's right. This is the... That's right, this is the Father's. Yet, they deny this truth because they ignore the sin problem. It was always sin. 
What did the prophet speak about to the Jewish people? Their sin. Their departure from the ordinance of God. The things of God. Jesus exposes the problem that sin is causing. And they don't want to hear this, friends. Do we want to hear about our sin? People of this world, no. No, they want to tell you how many good things they've done. But like the sin thing isn't an issue when you've got a 10,000 good and one bad, you know, whatever the number might be in your mind. But Jesus confirms to the Jews that their blood line is to Abraham, but makes clear that they disrespect him by not believing his words as Moses taught concerning the Messiah. And they knew that too. We're going to pause there. We'll get back to it next week. I hope these, even though this is, I don't want this to become um, tedious. Uh, But I think to just gloss over it and just run over these things without really thinking about the emotional aspect of it for them, for what Jesus is saying, and for us today as we read it, and how we can apply it to Christianity. I think that's what's important. So we will pick that up next week, Lord willing. We pray that you have a blessed week, uh, this week to come that we're starting today, that you are busy about the task that the Lord has given you to be in Christ and stay in his word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 